When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. No longer greatness has finally returned. Uh, Kid Street Noise is back for the first time in four or five months. Our last recording. Yeah, yeah something like that. Um, the back end of the Yeah, the end of season review. Um, it feels like a very long time ago now, but here we are. Yeah, yeah uh, there is reasons for that. We've not just slacked off. Um, me and Lewis have both been really busy. Um, I've been doing a bit like a video editing work for the Championship Chat podcast. Um, Lewis has got a student placement down south, so if you want to tell us a bit more about what you've been doing down there, Lewis. Yeah, so I started uh, a 12-month placement um, at the end of August uh, in uh, a place called Hemel Hempstead near, <laughs> near London. Um, uh, we have a company called A Live, and basically... Pretty much everyone listening or watching this will have seen what we do um, without actually knowing or like, thinking about it. But um, we work in like uh, sports TV uh, broadcasting, and it's um, like the, the scoreboard and all the stats involved with um, the coverage. Uh, we work in football. The, the only thing we don't do is um, football for Sky. Basically, everything else for any other broadcaster, Sky Darts, Sky Cricket, um, TNT, um, yeah, everything basically. Um, so that's what I've been doing. It's been pretty interesting. Um, doing some quite exciting things like going to uh, Amsterdam and Dortmund to work on the Darts for TV and uh, going to Wembley for the England Australia game. That was a ch- Channel 4 job. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been good. Yeah, so we have been super busy. Obviously, Lewis moving down south, it was 
acclimatisation for you and us as a family. Um, and then obviously you've just been busy all over the world, like you like Dortmund, Amsterdam, um, you, Wales a couple of times. Obviously not as far as that, but um, yeah, it's just hard. Yeah. It's been hard to find the time to do the recordings in between everything else that we're yeah. doing as well. Um, but hopefully this is the first podcast back the first in like a definitely more frequency I don't know if we'll be able to do the weekly ones like we did last season hopefully we will but obviously it completely, it'll depend completely on the schedule uh, we did want to start the podcast back at the start of last season I did a full episode with Jamie Thorburn um, talking about gambling addiction when he was doing his podcast behind the bet if anyone wants to listen to that on Spotify um, we recorded a full episode, like an hour and a half in the King Edward, and then I got home and the audio was absolutely terrible and I spent like four or five days trying to fix it, trying to bring back the audio to like a decent level. It just wasn't working at all. It, it like knocked the stuffing out of me really because it was like a really good episode, um, like a really natural, emotional chat between me and Jamie. It would have been good for everyone to listen to and hear but, and then to get back, it was my own fault really. I should have tested the audio when I did it, but I didn't. I waited till I got home and had a look, and it was just stinking, and it was completely not stuffing out of me. Um, you'll have seen the new logo, you'll have seen the new intro by the time you see this. Uh, so, yeah, put put a bit of work into that. We wanted to give it a little brush it and give like not as good as an experience as it could be um so i probably spent too long doing the intro um, a lot of procrastination a lot of distractions um but yeah that's the reason why we haven't been as active as we want to be um obviously with lewis moving down south we both don't have a season ticket this year um Lewis, for obvious reasons, not doing the travel. Um, and then obviously working on match days, like sometimes work Saturdays and weekends, don't you, as well? So it just doesn't fit around your current schedule. Yeah, I mean, my schedule's like different every week. Um, I'm just like sports on all the time, especially this time of year. Um, yeah, the the chart for, for all of us is looking pretty packed. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I, I, I knew it was going to be like that. Um, well, I kind of applied to do it, so I didn't bother with uh, getting a season ticket. But I've been to like quite a few home games, and I went to Watford away um, when I first came down here. So, yeah, yeah. One benefit is obviously like the London away games are local to you, more or less, aren't they? You'll be going to Chelsea tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm going tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I didn't get a season ticket. I felt like with all the um, pushing that I certainly do as like my half of the podcast about how much it costs us followers and like the season ticket prices, I felt it'd be very hypocritical of me to pay the price and carry on going. Um, I feel a bit like... It's not about it being affordable for me. It's about it being affordable affordable for, for everyone. 
and I don't feel like it will be until the majority of people that are stretching themselves or can afford it and still paying for it stop going. Um, so yeah, it's just, I mean, I have been fortunate enough to like have people offer me spur tickets and I've been to a few home games still, but um, so even I'm probably outing myself as a hypocrite there because I'm going on the on the free, but um, I, I just feel like there's so much to do um, in terms of making the fan experience better as a club. Um, and I said before we started recording this interview that I wouldn't get into the negatives. Like this is the first one back for ages. Let's just be positive. But um, yeah. yeah, I feel like um, like with the media we've got as. Um, podcast halls that we should be focusing on making the fan experience better for everyone not just for ourselves so that's the intro slash update what we've been doing why we've not been as active as possible um, let's get into the football so what? how many games are we in now 13 games in 14 games in mm, I think so yeah um, 14 I think yeah, what have you thought of the start so far? Um, I think from what we found out in the summer about you know, the budgets having to be cut um, and the team wasn't strengthened. I mean, I, I mean, you could argue that it wasn't strengthened. After, I was going to say it wasn't strengthened as much as as, as we like, but I don't think we have strengthened. We, we've we are weaker this season um, than we were last season. We've got a very inexperienced side, especially um, in the forward areas. Uh, and it is costing us, but I, I do think we're growing, at, uh, growing as, a, as a team. Um, I think you saw that in that run of uh, three wins that we that we've had over the you know, last few weeks. Um, but so far, I'm, I'm, con- I'm content, but I'm not. It's just, it's what? It's just like a bit meh. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, right. it's not that. That, that. That's how I'd, I'd describe it anyway. I think our... First eleven is stronger than it was last year, but I feel like our depth is really, really mm. poor. Like, obviously, Hyams injured now. Smodic is going to miss tomorrow night. Carter is banned for tomorrow night. Is it tomorrow night? Is it going to Sunday's game? I'm not sure actually, but. I think if you take one or two key players out, we look really, really weak. And we've seen it with Hedges, and Hedges probably wasn't in our strongest 11 last season. Now we this season he is, and we're missing him massively. Like, mm. I feel like... I mean, going just going back to the Swansea game is like the most recent example. I went to the Swansea game, and I don't remember one forward player beating a fullback and getting a crossing or just taking someone on. And I watched their wingers, Liam Cullen, he's cutting inside, he's going out on the outside, beating his man, cutting back, getting a crossing. Obviously cuts inside and scores the winner, essentially. Um, Jamal Law just tore James Hill 
a new backside who just absolutely dominated him. Just so quick mm. and direct. And then I looked at the stats after the game and our wingers, which were Sigurdsson and Dolan. Uh, no, Dolan was like the, like in the number nine position, like false nine. But Sigurdsson didn't have one completed dribble. Um, who played on the right? Or oh, it was Britain. So Britain didn't have any dribbles. Or he had like three dribbles, but none of them completed. So he just tried to take one on and failed. And I feel like we're constantly having to play 11 versus 11. I don't feel like you're going to create chances like that. It's not until you beat a man, drag someone out of position, that you create them sort of chances. And we don't do it often enough. We're relying on one, two-touch football to create space in behind. And although it looks good and looks great, there are other ways to open teams up. And I don't think we're taking advantage of it. I thought Dolan was that kind of player that will do a step over and beat a man or even Mark Ande. Um I was impressed with him in the cup game. I thought it was direct and quick inside, creating chances. But anytime he's coming in a league, I, I don't know like JDT's instructions, the player's confidence, I'm not sure. But mm. when I watched how good Swansea's attacking three were, um, it, it almost puts into perspective that I think at that end of the pitch, we're, we're miles away. Yeah, I think with um, with Sigurdsson, it felt like in the summer he was like almost like high profile signing, and everyone was kind of looking forward to him being fit and being available to play. And whilst putting a quality performance away at QPR, since then, it's like kind of gone missing a bit like I wasn't at the game on Saturday but the game against Cardiff at Ewood it was like really quiet you know went off after about about an hour 65 minutes something like that mm-hmm. um, so you know there's question marks over him whether he's going to be as effective as we want and need him to be really because um, with how experienced he is you know um He's played Champions League football, so you know we need him to do like a similar job to Smodics almost, as like to, to kind of guide. Uh, obviously, it's contrary to the goals, but also guide like the, the younger attacking players and help them develop. Um, but you know, is it going to be consistent? Yeah. Um... I mean, I watched him on Saturday. I don't want to say he don't look interesting because I don't think he's 100% fit yet. I think the schedule's taken it out of him. Um, two mm. games a week probably isn't what he's used to. Um, especially like at that intensity as well. Um, like the, it's usually higher up the goal. The pace of the game is slower. Um, I think the, the championship might have quite a bad surprise. Still not fit. He had a couple of injuries. I don't think the rest of the team are getting the most out of him in terms of how they're playing in the ball. Smith mm. seems to be like running into his channel and taking away his space. Like there's a couple of times where he was one on one with a fullback and you just want him to beat him and then Smith should run into the space and almost forced him to either go back inside or pass the ball to Smith. And I just think it's very predictable and very easy to defend against in a way. You almost know what's going to happen because of the spaces that we're taking up. Um, I'm just going to go back to the results that we've obviously not spoken about because I'm, I'm actually not going to go through the wins I'm going to go through the losses because 
I think if you look at the, lo- the losses we've had in the league, they're almost teams you expect, not expect to get beat by, because I think in the Championship you can beat anyone, but the 2-1 defeat to Hull at home, the red card explains it, the other red card kills the game, and I, I still thought we were competitive for the majority of it. Yeah. Um, obviously Aaron Connolly comes on, gets two great goals, um, but I think the Gallagher hit the post like at one nil where we Ennis were in it. Yeah. Um that, that is a bit a bit of luck. Plymouth away got beat three nil. We had the hedges chance inside the first minute that it goes in a completely different game. I think a lot of teams will struggle going to Plymouth, especially for us. It's like seven hours, seven and a half hours drive away. Um we got beat three one at home to Sunderland. Um Again, that was a night of missed chances. We had, I can't remember who, but there was a couple from inside the six-yard box where we almost came away thinking, how have we not scored there? Um, and then Sunderland will be up there as well. They'll be competing. Jack Clark's having like a season of his life. Um, and he proved that at Ewood that night. Um, we lost away at Ipswich 4-3. Ipswich are flying, second in the table. The going to score a lot of goals. I mean, they concede quite a few as well, but realistically, do I expect us to go to Ipswich and get something? If you'd ask me then, I'd probably take the draw, but given the results they've got the rest of the season, I'm I'm happy we competed going down there mm. rather than just throwing the towel in. 4-1 at home to Leicester. Leicester will do that to a lot of teams this season. A bit of a sloppy goals to give away, but they've got the quality. They've got the team is just ridiculous. Harry Winks and DD Jamie Vardy just should be playing at this level. Coventry won Blackman nil. That was probably the most disappointing loss. I thought with a better team on the night, James Hill hit the bar again. Lots of missed chances, and then they um, scored the rebound late on to win the game. And I just felt like it was one of those nights where after every two or three chances you miss, you thought it's going to be one of those Blackman Rovers nights where you don't you don't get the result you should be getting. And then obviously Saturday's game against Swansea, we get beat 1-0. And again, although we weren't great going forward, I don't think we deserve to lose either. I think the goal's a bit of individual quality, but and they had a couple of disallowed goals, but I feel like we had just as many chances as them. It's probably just an even game. We were just um, two evenly matched teams in the championship. But I think if anyone had won it 1 0, no one would have had any complaints, really. Uh, is that a fair reflection of the season so far, would you say? Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, like, quite a few of those games have been working for, and I haven't been at Eagle, so, so probably can't give us. Uh, you know, I, I just haven't watched them, so I, I can't probably give as fair a reflection as you can give. But yeah, um, I wouldn't say I'm not disappointed by the way we've played at all. I'm just disappointed at how um, at how much it's changed between like the, like the end of last season. Like what happened then? Like how we dropped off. And then what's happening in the summer, and it's like it, it actually felt say like you go back to like the start of this year. Uh, I just felt like we were getting somewhere on JDT, and like you know, if it weren't this season, 
uh, if it went last season, sorry, it'd be this season that would be challenging. And now it's like, you know, it just feels very different all of a sudden. Like it's going to be, you know, a lot longer and a lot more arduous, really, a lot tougher um, in terms of how we can strengthen and get better uh, than we than we first thought. Which that, that's what I'm disappointed with. Really, I, I'm quite like, like I said at the start. I'm quite content with like where we are in the league. Um, when you consider all that. Yeah, um, I think I think with the early transfers as well, the ones we did in June, uh, the Stigan yeah. in Ennis, I, I felt pretty optimistic. But then the rest of the summer was almost like like our season last season, weren't it? It started great and midway through promising, yeah. and then it almost like fades away. It's, it becomes disappointing in the end. Um, I mean. We had they had the meeting the press release halfway through and said like the goals have changed. Our aim this season is to avoid relegation to League One. Well, that's not going to happen. I can put my house on it. We're not going down. We're too good to go no. down. There will be three worst teams with us in the championship. There'll probably be a lot more than three, but like the, I don't want to start naming. I did that last season with Huddersfield saying they were down every week and then they never actually went down. Um, <laughs> But I don't think we're in any danger of doing that. And looking at our upcoming fixtures, we do have a lot of winnable games and it only takes three or four to lift them spirits. I just think... I don't really know what the answer is because it, it could be like you win five out of your next ten and you get to January and you're eighth on the table and you've four points off playoffs and you can invest them, but... Can you really mm. invest in in January to better the squad? I mean, to have the amount of depth it would need to take to challenge for the playoffs, we'd have to sign six, seven players. Yeah, it's not. It, it, I felt like not, it's not going to happen really in the predicament that we now find ourselves in. I don't think. Yeah, it's like people are saying that time and time again to the point where it's almost like a bit of an echo chamber we're of is that we need a proven goal scorer. And like that's what um, I mean. It was highlighted towards the end of last season, where there were games where you know we comfortably be the better team, and the chances we did create just wouldn't be put away. Um, I've seen that again, and but, but the problem is, I suppose that the championship proven goal scorers at a premium, and we you know we keep going back to it in the predicament can't afford to pay that premium or if you don't take that route you've got to take a risk um, I mean Ennis might come good but you know to me like, I don't know he never seems to be fully fit um, it, you know, it's, it's not like the start of the season and you can use a, that excuse of like not having a full pre-season anymore um, yeah yeah, I, I, I don't know. Don't know what we're gonna do there, really. Um, there's obviously Lennon. We brought Talovic in from Germany, but <laughs> big question marks over him. Um, Lennon's still very young, still developing, and I think it would personally 
Um, I think personally, it would be unfair to to you know hang your hat on him and give that such a big responsibility to him when he's only just come up through the uh, through the twenty threes. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the biggest problem. I mean, he came on with I think half an hour, twenty minutes to go on Saturday, and he got two good chances. Um, mm. And and people were like having a go at him on social media and coming out of the ground saying like should have buried it, should have scored, whatever. I mean, if other strikers have had sixty minutes and we've not had a clear cut chance. And he's coming on for half an hour and creating two, or getting the right positions. I would rather have, I would rather have someone having like so. Someone put um, on Twitter about him having 0.9 expected goals, and he didn't score. It, that for me means you don't know how expected goals work. Expected goals is a like a metric of a good striker. If you have high expected goals, that means that you are getting the right positions to take the yeah. right shots on at the right time. And eventually they will go in. Like I would rather have someone who scored two with an expected goals of ten than someone who scored five and expected goals of one. Because that means they've been extremely lucky. They're not in the right positions, they're just scoring thunder bastards. And whereas like the guy who's got ten expected goals, he's just missing them. And you can work on that and but he's in the right position at the right time and then eventually their chances will convert into goals. Um, so I'm not as worried about Leonard Telovic the jury's definitely out on him I don't think Swansea was the right game to bring him or Ennis on because they're very good on the ball the back four are very good in possession we know how good Matt Grimes is on, on the ball he's like in the championship just sweeper up for years um, and they're not the most athletic strikers um, to go and press the ball so I don't think they're the right options to come on um, I think maybe against the Millwall game midweek or um, who do we play for that QPR where they're very much direct and the centre-backs don't like having the ball at the feet yeah stick an Ennis stick a Telovic on up front and they don't really have to do as much pressing they can just be there for the knockdowns when we eventually get the ball back, but I don't think Swansea was the right game for them. I don't think this Norwich game will be either on Sunday. Mm. Um, so, what else is to speak about? What else have we missed out on? Um, new kits? Happy with all the three new kits? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're all right, aren't they? We'll go, we'll go home first. Oh, actually, uh, I'll, I'll go. On, I'll let you rate them first. What was your first favorite, second favorite, third favorite out of the three? Um, I think. No, I think the horns probably the horns probably the best. Um. But I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. That, that kind of says that a lot about the the way in thirds, the the, 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 the away kit and the third kit when the home because it was like the, the home. You <laughs> can't really. It, it is true. Can say you can't really do. 
um, you can't really do much with it. Uh, there, there was a lot of people mourning about the the collar, the light blue. I mean, it's, it's something. It's a way to like, differentiate it. Um, yeah. It's really not. Uh, it's either red or it's something new. Like what, yeah. what do you want to do? So, um, people like, or, or just make it red and it looks perfect and all this. I'm like, if you make it red, it looks like last season. So, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a decent kit. It's a decent rollers kit. Um, we've definitely a lot worse, uh, you know. Um, so yeah, I was like quite pleased with it, really. Um, the away kit. Um, yeah, I, I mean it's probably one of the best that we've had. I think. Um, yeah, definitely better than last seasons. Um, yeah, and the, the third kit, uh, not a huge. At first, I was like, yeah, it's like very different. It's like, um, kind of like, yeah, striking and like um, almost like a bit of a, a bit of throwback to like the fluorescent. Like, can get words out. <laughs> Um, one that we had in the the nineties, ninety seven, ninety six, ninety seven, I think. Do you remember that, that, like the lime green one? Like the Rovers badges down the yeah, a bit like that, I suppose. Um, so yeah, yeah, but yeah, not a nice kit. No, um, I mean, I feel like I can't really complain about the kits because when we said last season what we want from a kit, I said. I want a kit unique to us, so I didn't want any templates. Um, and I wanted a sponsor that fit the shirt. So I was the whole one with like the the um, former Blackman M brick em- like embossed into the design, and the totally wicked actually being like blue and white switched colours was what I asked for in a kit, like an actual sponsor design to the kit. And then they've done the same with the away kit with like the grey sponsor. Uh, I don't really see much of the third kit, so I don't know what the colour of the sponsor is on that. Uh, mm. You can't really see it with like the striky blue patterns anyway. Um, some of the kit releases, a bit disappointed with. I mean, we had the sellout sweepstake for each shirt, um, and then people they were like going in like an hour and a half, or like a bit of. I think two of them were definitely before dinner time on the day it released. Um. I don't really understand why, because, like, why do we not have the stock to forget? Like, no other club seems to sell out of shirts. So why is it only happening to us? I don't really understand. We didn't have home shorts or home socks for months. Um, it was always a bit of a mess, really. Um, but yeah, the kits are nice. I've not bought one, but if I was to buy one. That this season, but would be like one of my favourites for a long time. Um, what else have we missed? What else is going on? Do we talk about VAR? Too early to talk about VAR? Um, well, it's uh, been some controversy, to say the least, over the last few weeks. I mean, the probably not the worst one, but 
I was infuriated watching the Scotland Spain game when Tony's free kick yeah. was disallowed for the goal that was disallowed for a push on the keeper. It's never a push on the keeper. <laughs> it's, I mean, they could say it was offside. I don't think he's interacting with play infringement on the keeper. The keeper could have all the time. They could slow the ball down by half. I don't think the keeper's getting there. It's that well hit of a free kick. And the most annoying thing is. No one even appeals. The keeper doesn't say anything. The defenders don't say anything. But someone, somewhere, is looking at it, thinking, I want to disallow this goal. I need to find a reason to disallow this goal. And mm. when you've got 4,000 Scotland fans going mad in the away end, why do, why do, they, why do these people want to spoil that fun? Um, it almost like puts you off wanting to get promoted to the Prem because you see some of the decisions we've had this year up there it's just absolutely bonkers and it's so like I mean the Liverpool one was probably the Liverpool Tottenham one where he's onside and they disallow it and the, the comms came out that was the day VAR should have been scrapped full stop uh, I agree to be honest I really do um, it was just watching that video I, I I thought it was like a parody. Yeah. It's hard to actually take it um, take it seriously. Good process, lads. Like, it, <laughs> it, it was absolutely bizarre. Like the, um, it, it just seemed to me like it was just total lack of like concentration. They just weren't aware of what was actually going on. They, they didn't know. They thought that the goal had been given. Like they must have because they they, they they thought the goal had been given because they were like checking they were like checking for if it was offside rather than thinking rather than knowing oh it's been given offside in the field it, it, it's going to be um, a free kick to Spurs unless we say it's yeah. a goal give the goal so. They didn't, they didn't actually know what was happening. That, 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 that's the. But for me, that, it's the thing it afterwards. Afterwards, like when as soon as you see Spurs centre back put the ball down to take a free kick, surely you're saying, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" And like people said, "Oh, they restarted the game and took the free kick." Well, the ref can stop it. The ref stops it for everything else. Can you not just say, "Hang on a second, lads. We're gonna." Like, let's rewind, let's think about this. Mm. I mean, I don't want to take as long as they are taking. The Burnley decision at the weekend, I know it is Burnley, and but that is the the most... It, I think it's probably worse than the Diaz thing. It's took them five and a half minutes to decide. Yeah. He's onside on one camera, he's offside on another. The... The Bournemouth fans are think are singing this is embarrassing when it's gonna cost them two points if it's classic yeah. on side. They would rather <laughs> Bournemouth would rather not win the game and then have to sit and wait five minutes for someone miles away to make a decision. Yeah. I watched match of the day um when I got back yesterday and um there, there was one shot where a green line had been drawn by VAR suggesting that it was onside and literally half of Rodriguez's foot was over the green line. I'm like, 
it's just a good job after what happened in the, the Diaz incident that they've not seen that green line and just thought, let's go. It's just, honestly, it, it, after that, you won't be too surprised if they'd have done something like that. Yeah. <sighs> I just, I just find it mad. It's probably not. Because they've noticed the mistake, but they're still making that mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we're speaking about it every week, but I don't feel like it's going to be the end of speaking about it. I feel like, I feel like we're still going to be speaking about it every week to the end of the season. Is it ever going to... I don't think it's going to improve to the point that we're happy with it. So, I don't know. I don't know what the the end game is for them or what they're expecting. Mm. Um, any surprises so far in, in leagues or cups? Like, have you got anything predicted? We didn't really do... Well, what we're going to do with like the pre-season show, we'd obviously do like our predictions for certain leagues and... Um, our predictions for certain players probably. Are you surprised at how well Bellingham's done after he's moved to Madrid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought I don't think anyone thought that he'd be a flop or anything or be underwhelming. But I mean, has anyone ever had a a better start? Yeah, you know, especially a young player moving to a big club like that. I don't think. I'm not sure. I can think. Of, I mean, Holland, I suppose, going to City. Um, but if Bellingham keeps his numbers up, he's going to be, you know, he's going to have a season on that level, isn't he? You know, that's, that's what's going to happen. Um, in, a in terms of young players, and possibly in in terms of players in the world, like I think he's in a category of his own. I really think he's that good. Yeah, I was. I said in the group chat the other day, he's probably in like his own Ronaldo slash Messi bracket at the minute. Yeah, like when they dominated football, he's probably up there at the minute um, by himself. I don't really think there's anyone close to him. The probably, I mean, probably the standout players in the Prem this season that are putting in, I wouldn't say similar performances because he's been like a almost like a number ten for Madrid, where he's just getting in the box and scoring. He's almost like Frank Lampard for Real Madrid. Um, but Madison has probably been my standout player in the Prem. Mm. I also like, I'm probably going to butcher his name, Dominic Savalasai for Liverpool. <laughs> Savalasai. Yeah. yeah. Um, every time I watch it, every time I watch him, it just gets better. And I just think he could be a top player for Liverpool for the next five, six, seven years, or however long he wants to stay there for. Yeah. Um, um, I suppose like the. Go, go on. I like City is still putting up the same performances. Bernardo Silva the other night against United was unbelievable, but you just you just run out of ways to describe. They're not they're not surprising. Like they just no. turn teams apart. And I mean, I'm, I'm impressed with how well Doku's done since he's come in. I didn't think he would make the impact he has, but yeah. he has been a, a very good player. It's almost like he's fit right into that mold of what kind of Guardiola wants his wingers to be. And like he, um, you know, he's kind of he's come straight in and just, and just been. Like, you think of like Sterling, like how good he is on on his day, and like Sane when he was at City, 
and you know, all these like silver, like the, the great um, wingers that they've uh, that they've had while he's been there, and he's kind of like, you know, it, he hasn't really needed any time to like, settle in um, and fit into the city side. He's just got straight to it, and he looks a brilliant player. He really does. Yeah. And uh, um, Bruno had a Bruno had a, a lash out at him. No, yeah, no, not Bruno, sorry, Anthony. Sorry. Yeah, I was just, I just sent, I just sent him off for that. Just, I don't understand it. I just, there's a people saying I was just showing passion, just showing fire. There's a, there's different ways to show passion than just booting someone up in air. Like, I think the 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 situation, obviously, um. Rebecca's mum's partner, Sean, is a United fan. I talked to her about it last night. I said, it's the the, tra- the money that Ten Hag spent has been absolutely abysmal. The, yeah. like, at 100 million for Anthony, Martinez, that's been great. Uh, the wages spent on Casemiro. The first season I thought he was brilliant. This season with pants, and he's injured now. And then someone mentioned, uh, like, Gary Neville. Uh, Carragher were arguing about it saying like it's the Glazers fault and Carragher said the club needs a philosophy it doesn't matter who's in the team you need to play a certain way and then Neville was like yeah but with Martinez and whoever injured the other players can't play like that but mm-hmm. that's why you, that's why you build a philosophy like Man City did it when Guardiola came in he wanted to play out from the back Joe Hart wasn't quite good enough or Guardiola didn't rate him enough so he gets rid of him and they build but they don't do it all in one season. They still have players that weren't probably capable of playing that way. But they've got them up to a standard where they're good enough to do that until they can replace them. I just think yeah. United are so far off it. Like they're buying players that don't match how they want to play. And I just like you want so and they wanted to do like a pressing philosophy when Klopp and Guardiola started it, and it was when Ralph Ragnick were manager, and he said like, he wanted to sign Luis Diaz, who's now at Liverpool, and Julian Alvarez, who's on his way to City at the time. Obviously, he's at City now and, like, looked like a, a hell of a player to start with. I just find it mad that instead they've got Anthony, who can do a few step-overs and a marathon turn, couldn't, couldn't press his pants, never mind, like, someone's back like that. <laughs> I just, like... What are you? I don't know. It's just such a mess at the minute. I don't know how you would even go about fixing them. Like McTominay has been the best player this season. Yeah. Like Scott McTominay should not be Man United's best player. Like as much as I love him playing for Scotland. Yeah. I mean, I do like McTominay. Um, I think he's a he's a decent player. And he works really hard. He's got a really high work rate. Um, but he's one of them. That because he's not maybe like a fancy name, not not a flair player, shall we say, um, that the United fans just won't really take to him. I don't think anyway. Um, he's a player that could definitely play week in week out for United, and could flourish. I think if he has better players. Around him, but but I mean that's that's going to happen with the standard of United's recruitment. It's uh, that, that's their biggest problem for me. You know, we've yeah. talked about the like the the, the um, 
the importance, like the philosophy. And it's like you have no doubt that when Guardiola first came at City, he'll have like gone to every level, like the twenty threes, the twenty ones, under eighteens, under sixteens, even whatever, and said, "This is how the first team's going to play." So this is how everyone's playing, you know, and um, players will continue to come, players have and will continue to come through City's academy in playing football the way he wants football to be played. Yeah, I think you look at like um, Liverpool, City, Arsenal, even... Would I go as far as say Spurs group? Probably not. I'm thinking like teams like Aston Villa under Emery. Um, who else have recruited very well? Brighton, obviously. Yeah. I can't name a bad side. Like, off the top of my head, I can't think of someone they've wasted money on. Do you know what I mean? Like they all come into the team, yeah. fit the team well. Um, at Liverpool, they signed Nunes and. Who else did they sign last year? Cody Gakpo. Um, and even if they don't hit it off straight away, you can see the qualities that they've got that could add to the team eventually. Where United have spent a lot of money. Like Anana, how much how much they spent on him, he's not better than De Gea. Mm. Like, he doesn't do anything better than what De Gea did. Yeah. And I don't see how he fits into whatever philosophy they want to play. Like he can, like people like oh, his distribution. He can like showing him for into Milan where he's pinging balls out to the winger like sixty yards away. Yeah, but every time he gets a goal kick, he plays it short inside his box. So you're buying him for something that you don't want to do as a club. So yeah, it just doesn't make sense. But what do I know? What do I know? A side that have stood out for me so far this season is Aston Villa. I've just mentioned every yeah. the like the the standard of football they're playing. Um so the fluency and the consistency is some of the results they've they've picked up so far. It's incredible really. Like the 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 I think it was like the, the other week, might have been last week. Um it was like Emery's one year anniversary there and the way he's turned it around after like, how Stale, really, and but well, the I say under Gerard they were going nowhere, um, and and now you know they're like knocking on the door of the top four. I mean, we were talking about this in the group on like the PlayStation today in the group chat. Like, what is the reason why a lot of top level players are struggling as managers, and a lot of managers that haven't necessarily played or played to a high standard are doing so well. I, I, I genuinely think like players like Lampard, Gerard, Rooney, they, they can't teach the basics because they've never like thought about doing the basics. Does that make sense? Mm. Like, I don't know how Gerard can like... Not can't, that, like that talented, it's almost like instinctive. Yeah. Like, I don't know how like... Like Rooney at Birmingham like the, now. Like the basics drilled into such a young age that like they just kind of like just kind of expect that level. Yeah, I, I do think that must. I think that must be part of it. Because I, I see like Rooney at Birmingham now. I don't understand how he could get 
Birmingham strikers to one side and tell them how to finish or tell them how to strike a ball because Rooney wouldn't even think about it. It just it's natural to him. So what is he like? What knowledge is he passing on to these players? Like mm. when obviously Gerard has gone on to LL Atifaki, whatever they're called. Um, how is he teaching them players how to like slap a ball or switch play? Like he doesn't he doesn't think about it. He just does it. So how is he? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's been an interesting season so far. Obviously, Villa doing well, Spurs flying at top of the league, um, Man City, Liverpool carrying on, Arsenal still unbeaten. Um, I suppose, like, other than Bellingham, the biggest story on the continent is Ajax. I mean, yeah, bottom of the Ajax being in the relegation zone. That's, that's unheard of, isn't it? It's a dream scenario for footy manager players. They're like absolutely buzzing for next year's game to go down. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that that is a strange situation. I mean, they've had the team wiped out and they've like the team that got to the Champions League semi-final two yeah. years ago. That team's been completely wiped out, but they should be strong enough still. They should be producing enough players or reinvesting well enough so that the bottom of the league doesn't happen ever to Ajax. Yeah. Um, so when I went to um, when I went to Amsterdam, I, I, did, I don't really know like, the team too well. Like when I went to Amsterdam, and did the tour last month. Like went in the went like the dressing room and like saw like the the names and the shirts and all that. I'm like, there's not really like any names that I've like, heard of anymore. You know, like, I actually yeah. expect it, it expects more stuff like this semi star the final. Like, yeah, there was like, it was like Bergvine. I was like, that's kind of it. Like, I don't know. Um, one last question on the Premier League before we go back to Rovers' topics. Is the promoted three into the Premier League the worst promoted three of all time? It's um, definitely up there, aren't they? If they're not, they're up there. The, the, Sheffield United, uh, all, all three. Um, Sheffield clubs, I think I think I saw on um, Twitter yesterday, they're all bottom. So Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield FC are all bottom of their uh, of their respective leagues. And I think the, uh, the the two the two league clubs you can put an eye next to the name. To be honest, they're, they're both doomed. Um, yeah, the. the there's not a lot more you can say, I don't think. But actually, United, the, the, they're they're in big trouble. They've they've not they've let the best players go over the summer, and they've not reinvested. Only um, company is set on playing a certain way. We all know that, and it's costing them pretty much every week. They just can't cope with. The press that you know Premier League teams, Premier League teams are able to to put on them, uh, mm-hmm. losing the ball and giving away cheap, giving away cheap goals. Um, Luton to be expected. You know, I, I think everyone was thinking when Luton went up, it's got to be a miracle for him to to to, to stay up. And that's just a simple. Is that really? Um, but I 
said when they when they won at Everton the other week that they probably will go down, but they won't embarrass themselves, which mm-hmm. like, a lot of people uh, are saying they would do. Like, people are talking about a derby point. Like, I, don't, I don't think we're gonna we're gonna see anything like that. You know, the, from Sheffield United, I think, maybe. I, I, yeah, I think Sheffield United are, are actually more, you know, in danger of Lightly. breaking that record. Hmm. I think out of the three, I think Luton are my strongest to put up a fight. I don't think they'll stay yeah. up, but I think they'll definitely put up a better fight than the other two. Um, Sheffield United, are just, I mean. You could make a case that Luton have been unlucky. There's been a couple of decisions, a couple of games they've lost by tight margins. Sheffield United just look miles off it. Mm. Like, I mean, they have they they put in a good performance against United, but I mean, United pants at the minute as well. So does that really prove anything? Yeah. Um, so right back to Rovers anyway. Um, Chelsea tomorrow night. Are you going massively changed team? Are you going a couple of changes? What's your thoughts? I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think it'll make too many changes, if any. To be honest, I, I'm. I've seen today that um, Pochettino is like naming a strong to that. That's because he has to really. Yeah. Um, with the pressure that he's pressure that he's like going to be inevitably under because the start of the season they've had so I think JT will go for a strong team to kind of uh, to, to match him really well match them the best way the best we can the money they've spent um, <laughs> but yeah I, I don't think I, I think we'll see the strongest side we can possibly put out there with the injuries that we've got I mean, Travis is coming back in, we know that. Yeah. I think Garrett, not I think Garrett comes back in for Smodic. Mm. Um, Leonard probably starts up front. I think Hill might have a rest and someone else go right back. Costello might be rested, potentially. Um, I, I mean, I, I fancy us tomorrow night, I really do. I think yeah. the confidence is low there. I don't think I think they'll massively underestimate us and I just can see us getting some it. I don't yeah. I don't see um whoever he plays centre back, it'll be Wharton and someone. He might, might, might play Hill centre back instead of playing full back like he did in the card. Well I mean uh, the point about them possibly that underestimating us I can I can definitely see that happening now the games that they've played there in the cup against like lower league opposition so far they have like, I think they have struggled to get going I think when they played Wimbledon did they, 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 they um they got one nil down against Wimbledon I think yeah you know so I think they could well underestimate I'm not saying I'm not saying the you know I, I'm not saying they're gonna uh you're going to be like shell shocked or anything. Let us but, win. Well, well, no, but um, definitely a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed. Mm. Um, right. Um, I think that's pretty much us. First one back. Unless you have anything else to add. 
Oh, got Norwich uh, on Sunday, haven't we? That's a yeah. terrible kickoff time. Yeah, twelve o'clock kickoff on a Sunday. I mean, we looked at the trains at the time, didn't we, and said, "I think the earliest one gets in at quarter past one from Blackburn." Mm. I think even even from you, I think it gets in later than kickoff, doesn't it? At half twelve. Yeah, yeah. I, I did look, and uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's. Bloody rail replacement bus as well. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll have to speak about it probably next week when we talk about like the new Sky TV deal for 2025, is it? Where, like, any game that's not at three o'clock on a Saturday will be televised, won't it? So, we'll yeah. go into a bit more depth on that because at this point now, I'm just in massive favour of scrapping the 3pm blackout deal and just just let everyone play at 3 o'clock because it's getting ridiculous now. I think the proposal from DAZN when it was um, when it was like, brought to light a few months back it should have been taken like, a lot more. There was people like, too eager to just like, think oh no, we've got to like, protect the blackout like, to protect like, you know um attendances from falling people were just watching it um, watching it at home but you've got to think about you know how will like every game that's not 3pm being televised affect attendances you know yeah. attendances are going to plummet through that so because it's just not convenient at all for anyone I mean, the 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 picking games purposely now, I feel, so that attendances are affected. Um, yeah, I know, like Sky was saying, they try and pick the midweek games. Ever since it's come on, like Sky Red Button, the midweek games are always stupid travelling distances. You never get a local game on a Tuesday night. It's always like someone down south, like QPR or Millwall, um, and they say that that's because. Um, most people don't travel that far anyway, so it's better to give them the offer. I think it benefits Sky having the longer games on TV times because the more people that can't go, it's not accessible for them to go, the more people sit at home and watch it or sit in the pool and watch it on them, on, on their channels. Um, mm. So I think they, they pick and choose games to make it even harder. For, I mean, the Norwich at dinner time is just... There's, there's no excuse for that. And we're probably the only country where our fans accept it. Like that happened in Germany, there'd be riots. Right, we just seem to accept being, as match going fans, we just seem to accept being shit on, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is the first episode back done. It's late now. I feel like we're both getting tired. Yeah. Um, We'll hopefully be back next week after the Norwich game on Sunday. Um, good to be back, finally. Um, there'll be more videos coming up. Hopefully getting the Guide Villa highlights put on YouTube. If anyone wants to watch a lot of fat lads try and kick a ball to 90 minutes. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's us done. Thanks, Tom.
see you all next week. Fingers crossed for a, for a famous win tomorrow night. Yeah, another famous London Cup win. Yeah. <laughs> see you in a bit. Yeah, see you later. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.